Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. Good morning. Good morning and welcome. I am Pastor Courage Molina of Bold Faith Community Church. Bold Faith Community Church is an online church for women. As you come into the room, I'm just going to call it a room. As you come into the room, go ahead and let me know where you are tuning in from. Okay, I see you, Tiffany, tuning in from Atlanta. We had a pop-up in Atlanta last month led by none other than the Tiffany. Okay. So it was very nice being down there, getting an opportunity to meet and hug and be around the women who call uh, Bold Faith Community Church home, who live in Atlanta, in and around at the Atlanta area. So glad that you guys are here. Come on, come on. If this is your first time um, welcome. If you've been here for a minute, you've come back a few times and you just haven't had the opportunity, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Um, don't forget to like this video, especially those of you who call Bold Faith Community Church home. And what I'd like to do right now is take about 30 seconds to give you a chance to invite people to come. I literally want you to hit the share button and I just want you to start sharing it with whoever God lays on your heart. I want you to share, share, share this video. Let's do this 30 second countdown while you share the video. Let's go. Did you share, share, share? I hope that you did. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Bold Faith Community Church if you are brand new here. As I said before, when online church for women, uh, this is a place where women are falling in love with being in the word of God. It is absolutely a blessing to be a part of that. Here at Bold Faith Community Church, we are a Bible study in church. What does that mean? It means that as a church, we are going through a Bible reading plan. You can join us Monday through Fridays at 7 a.m. EST as uh, we are reading through the chronological reading plan through the Bible. It's about, I don't know, 15 to 30 minutes a day at most, no more than 30 minutes. And so that's a great way for us to get some foundational truths and understanding to get a better background knowledge um, and awareness of things in the Bible. It's also a great way to like read through the Bible, right? We just want to be the type of people who are reading the rule, the Bible. Do you know what I mean? And um, it also means that we have Bible study every week. The expectation is that we are independently studying the Bible chapter by chapter, going along with the lessons that I will bring. And so last week, the church would have studied chapter 19. Today, I'm going to bring you nine lessons from Acts chapter 19 that you can apply to your life today. Okay, thank you, Dr. J. Try something new with this little 
mini this little mi middle part you know trying something new um and that means that next week we are going to be studying chapter 20 of the book of acts and next saturday i will be bringing a word of encouragement instruction enlightenment from the book of acts okay and uh one of the things that we do is we use our bible study journals if you don't have a bible study journal you can go to boldfaithchurch.org you can go to boldfaithchurch.org and get any journal that you need it's not that you need a journal but if you are saying every week you're going to study your bible but Every week it misses you. You don't know what to study. You don't know how to start or where to start. Then go ahead and get the journal. Get a journal. Any journal will work for you um, of the three that we have available. And it will walk you through step by step what to do to study your Bible. And I promise you, you won't be the same when you finish it. So go ahead and get that. Now, listen, um, is there anything else? Oh, if you want to be a part of Bold Faith Community Church, all you have to do is show up. Join us immediately following for our Bold Life group, which you can find in the Facebook group. There's a link in there if you want to be a part of the Bold Life group that meets on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. There's a link in the Facebook group. You're just going to go to Facebook. What do you think the name of the group is? Bold Faith, <laughs> right? You can look us up. You'll see our cute little faces there. And uh, there's an event in there. And you can get the link to the Zoom so that you can join us for bold life groups today. Um, another way you can become a member, another thing that members do is they volunteer. So volunteering, you can be a part of like the reach team where you are sharing the content, making sure that you show up, making sure that you're doing the work. Yeah, we do work here, right? Studying your Bible every week and reading your Bible and um, our members give. And so again, you can go to boldfaithchurch.org to give, that's where you can go. Once again, you can go to boldfaithchurch.org to give your tithes, donations, um, to help us do what God has called us to do, right? And to be a part of what God is doing in and through this church. All right, I'm ready to get started. I hope you are. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. I see Dr. J is in Milwaukee. Goodness gracious. That just sounds cold, you guys. Good morning, St. Lucia. Good morning, um, Charlotte. I see you. Good morning, Tennessee. Good morning, Charleston, South Carolina. All right, I am ready to get into it, and I hope that you are too. Go ahead and get your Bibles. We're going to be coming from Acts chapter 19. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Let me get my water. I'm going to read right through it, and then we'll, we'll go through it. You can use any version you want. Use the version that, um, that you're going to use. You know what I mean? Use the version that you're going to use. You don't have to use the King James if you're not going to use it. Use what's, whatever you're going to actually use, the one that you can understand, okay? All right, Acts chapter 19. Um, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say in the name of the Jesus who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia, Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Aratus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together, along with the workers in related trades, and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and laid astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that God's made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess, goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials, some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. 
most of the people did not even know where they were, why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Two hours. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. After he said this, he dismissed the assembly. Amen. Amen. So let's look at a little bit of background here. So this is happening in the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus is one of the largest cities in the world at that time. It was known as the center of magical arts. We're talking about 250,000 people uh, near around there. It's reported lived in Ephesus. So we are talking about a serious metropolitan area. Um, it is the capital and leading business center of the Roman province of Asia. Now, the province of Asia is not like China. The province of Asia is present day Turkey. Um, it was also the home of the Temple of Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Now, I did some studying and what I found out is that there is kind of two depictions or maybe two goddesses, um, Greek goddesses, Artemis. There's Artemis that is like the Greek goddess, and she looks one way. But this is Artemis of the Ephesians, which is why they keep saying that. And Ar Artemis of the Ephesians was a great um, Asiatic nursing mother. And when I say nursing mother, I want you to picture a mini. It was a mini, M-A-N-Y, mini, breasted, as in breast, God. Um, it was the nursing mother of gods, men, animals, and plants. It is, she was the patroness of the sexual instinct and supposedly fell from heaven. Right now, this thing was huge. We're talking like 214 feet wide and so like hundreds of feet high. It was probably a meteorite that resembled a woman, but... This is the goddess that they worshipped, and this is where it fell. It fell in Ephesus. Um, it was definitely a goddess that was commercialized with silver shrines, um, and those things were being sold. And that silver shrine of the goddess Artemis of the Ephesians, that was a very large industry, bringing in hundreds of thousands for um, the silversmiths that did this and sold this, right? And so we start out in Acts 19 with this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I just want to go back through and like break it down. And so Paul gets there. Um, Apollos has already gone on to Corinth by this time. So they're not there together. So Paul gets there and he meets these believers and he asks the believers, 
um, about the Holy Spirit. And their response to him is, well, we never heard about the Holy Spirit. That's what the word says. But they're not saying that they never heard that the Holy Spirit existed. They're saying really and truly, when you look at the original Greek, they're saying um, they didn't realize that the Holy Spirit had come. They didn't realize that it was available. They had this um, incomplete understanding of the gospel. They had an incomplete understanding of the gospel, um, these believers. And so they were unaware. They only knew about John's baptism and John's baptism was one that prepared the way for the Holy Spirit. But the baptism of John was about repentance um, and turning away from sin and turning towards God was a decision to do that. So they had that part. But Paul teaches them about the latter, right? We know that John died before Jesus was crucified and resurrected. So um, John the Baptist couldn't have taught these disciples this. And if that's all they knew, they didn't know or fully understand. Um, they didn't fully understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't fully understand that Jesus the Messiah had come and done what John was saying he was going to do. And so Paul takes the time to teach them. They believe, right? And as a result, um, they get baptized again. Now, this is one of the only places we see where somebody is getting rebaptized, where this is like somebody's getting baptized again or second baptism, but they get baptized and they um, he puts his hands on them, probably praying for them or maybe while he's doing the baptism and they receive the Holy Spirit. They are speaking in tongues and prophesying. So Paul continues on and he does what he always does when he gets to a new city. Where does he go? He goes to the synagogue. And so he goes to the synagogue to preach and to teach about the way. That's what they called. Um, they use these terms, the way um, they were called Christians, those who followed the way. This is where you start to really see a distinction between um, Jews and Christians here when you start to hear that type of terminology. And so Paul goes to the synagogue. He goes to teach like he always does. But something different happens this time. This time when Paul is at the synagogue, he actually is able to preach at the synagogue for three months. If you have been with us from, from the beginning, y'all know Paul is getting kicked out after like one week. Paul getting kicked out the synagogue after like one teaching sometimes. He can't, they don't want him there. They about to stone this man to death. And so Paul being able to stay there for three months, which is longer than any other place he was able to stay and teach and preach in the synagogue shows that the Ephesians were a little bit more tolerant. They might've been a little bit more laid back. As I said, this was known as the, the center of magical arts. So they did a lot of like um, incantations. They had these little, um, they had like spells written on little bitty pieces of paper and rolled up and put in little vials and they walk, you know, they had them around their neck. This is, this is the, the community that he was in. And so they might've been a little bit more tolerant. And so, but after a while, they couldn't take it no more. Okay. After three months, they could not take it. They began to reject the message and they started to speak out publicly against the way they started to speak out publicly against what, Paul was teaching them about Christ being about Jesus being the Messiah. And so Paul's like, okay, I don't have to take this. I'm leaving. And so he leaves, takes the believers with him. And he ends up going to this place called Tyrannus, Tyrannus Hall. 
Now, Tyranus Hall was a lecture hall. And so what happens in lecture halls in biblical times is probably from like um, seven, like seven to 11 a.m. If somebody's lecturing, teaching philosophy, rhetoric or whatever they're teaching, they're doing that in the morning. Right. This is when scholars are going to school, so to speak. So from 11 a.m. to about four o'clock in the afternoon, the hall is basically available. Right. It's, it's an open space. It's not necessarily free. Little side note. Um, there are studies that show that Paul had to pay for the to the use of the hall. Um, it's called Tyrannus Hall. That's probably the name of either the landlord or the person who taught there, um, who had that space for teaching whatever they were teaching, rhetoric or philosophy or, you know, whatever. But not scripture because it's not a synagogue. It is a lecture hall. So then he goes there and this is where he's teaching. He teaches boldly every single day. The Bible says daily. Somebody put in the chat daily. The Bible says daily. Put in the chat daily. Because we're talking about my guy is putting in work daily. Put that in the chat. Acts chapter 19. Let's see verse 9. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus every single day. And this went on for two years. I want to paint this picture for you. I want you really to understand what I'm saying to you. Okay. I want you to really understand this. So Paul at this time is still uh, working. He's still a tent maker. He is still working. So he is working in the morning because he can't use the hall in the morning. So he's working in the morning to support himself, to support the people that are with him. And we know this when we go through and read Acts 20. Uh, when you get to Acts 20, this is how you, you know this. But I'm just filling y'all in right now, painting a picture so you understand. So he's still tent making. So while the hall is being used, imagine this, while the hall is being used, say 7 to 11, um, Paul is working. And so then at 11 o'clock, he is in there teaching. And then after he's done teaching, he's working again in the evening. So this is his daily routine. He's working in the morning, teaching every day, and working in the evening. He got two jobs. His tent making is probably his side hustle. He's doing that tent making to support the purpose work that God has sent him out to do. He has been sent out by the Spirit of God. Y'all remember when he met God in, on the road to Damascus? He has been sent out, called, anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. He is anointed to go out and spread the gospel, the good news about Jesus to all the ends of the earth. That's his main thing. That's his purpose work. But how many of you are doing purpose work, but you still need to pay your rent? How many of you have purpose work you've been assigned to do something, but you can't afford to pay for the hall? You want to do a venue, but you got to have money up front you want to do a retreat but you got to pay for the facility before you can even start to sell tickets how many of you know that i i have a call on my life there's a purpose for me that god has called me to and it ain't this thing i'm clocking in and clocking out i want to encourage you i want to help you to understand that you are like the great apostle paul paul was like michael jackson working working day and night he was working in the morning as a tent maker, working at night as a tent maker. And during the day, he was lecturing in the lecture hall every single day for two years. 
grinding. Now, we talk about grind. That's a grind every single day for two years. And his teaching was very effective because the Bible continues to say that Jews and Gentiles, depending on um, which translation you have, Jews and Greeks alike throughout the province of Asia, all throughout, not just in Ephesus, which was huge, not just in Ephesus, but all throughout the province of Asia, heard the word of the Lord as a result of what Paul was doing. So he was teaching and preaching. Um, he was developing disciples and they were able to go out and, and share the word of God because of his consistency in sharing and teaching every single day for two years. Now, I'm not saying it's because of Paul's consistency, but I'm just putting a little comma. He was doing that every single day and God was using him in an extraordinary way. He, he performed many miracles through Paul, not just that Paul was able to go out and um, lay hands and heal and drive out demons, but he had bumped the Midas touch. You understand what I'm saying? He had the Almighty's touch, which means anything that touched him, people could take that, grab that, and go and heal somebody else with it. It's not to imply that... Um, that that's what we should be expected to do today. But I just want you to understand that there's an overflowing of anointing. Come on. Okay, Jesus, we're going to take this break right here. There's an overflowing of anointing. There's an overflow on his life. It's so extraordinary that when he wiped his brow, when he tied the apron while he was working, right? Not he prayed over the apron. It just came into contact with all that anointing. It was in close proximity that somebody could take something that was in close proximity to him and take that out somewhere and get some results with healing and get some results with, um, you know, driving out demons. I wonder who you need to be in close proximity to and not because they are the source, but because there's an anointing that overflows. I talked about this when we talked about um, the retreat. Sometimes, man, y'all got to get in the room. Now it's too late to get in the room this time. You know, the retreat is set, but I'm just saying, I'm just giving you, sometimes you've got to get in the room. I know we say this thing like, oh, well, they not God. Okay, Paul wasn't God. I'm with you. But sometimes God is doing such a mighty thing in and through a person that everything they touch wins. There's this song that I love. It's my winning season. Everything attached to me wins. There is some anointing on Paul. There's this overflow that even his garments were used to heal people, right? Even his garments were used to heal people. Now, people started to hear about this. And back in the day in biblical times, one of the things that was going on in Ephesus is they there were mm, charlatans, for lack of a better word, that were charging people. They would go out and they would charge you for an exorcism. I'm not talking that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people charging people. I'm just telling you what it is. I'm just giving you this information. Okay. I'm not judging. I'm just saying the folks was out there and they was charging people for exorcism. But sometimes the folks who was charging people for exorcism didn't really have the power of God. They were not anointed and called to the work by God. And as I said about Ephesus being the center of magical arts, that's how people were doing things. They were using magic and sorcery, which tells us that it's real. In case you think that sorcery, I'm not really wanting to talk about like witches and warlords. That's that's not really my post. But I um I want to make sure that we understand the Bible is saying that those things are true. 
That's that's what people were doing. They were able to get some type of result, maybe not a lasting result, maybe not a true result. And they were pulling power, not from the source. They were performing sorcery. I think that's an interesting word, but they were not getting their power from the source. They were using these incantations. They were invoking names of other uh, little G gods is what they were doing. Um, and so that being said, understand um you know that being said understand that they heard about this thing like oh my gosh he's doing this thing and and somebody can just use a handkerchief so then there were seven jews now luke is the writer of the book of acts and and the ancient writers would have seen um his sense of humor come out a little bit here he's being a little tongue-in-cheek he's being um facetious so he calls him, um, it says that he did evil things. Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus, who were demon possessed. They would say in the name of Jesus when Paul preaches. Okay, verse 14, it says seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest. Now, the ancient readers of this text know that's tongue in cheek because Sceva was no Jewish chief priest. Maybe that's what he called himself. Maybe he was fronting. Maybe that's what he put on his social media. Maybe that's what they call him. You ever, like, um, <laughs> I never you've ever seen the movie Elf. And uh, I think it's Elf. He goes to this coffee place and it says world's best coffee. And then they go there and it's not good. It's like horrible. And it's like, but it says the world's best coffee. So it must be the world's best coffee. But he just said, you know, they just put that on the building. It's not really true. This is tongue in cheek for the ancient readers um, because they knew they would have known. They would have been able to find out. They would have known who was the chief, who was the chief priest. And Skeva was not one. So maybe he called himself that. Maybe that's what he was saying. Maybe he had high hopes. Um, he wasn't a boss at that level. Okay. He, he was not a boss at that level. So he was lying, fronting. So there's a little tongue in cheek. So these seven Jewish, and they may not have been his sons. They might have been like disciples, uh, boys who learned, men who learned under him. So he might have had some level, some title. He might have been a priest, but he wasn't chief. He, he wasn't the chief. Chief don't run. He wasn't the chief, okay? Um, so the, the early readers would have known that. So Paul, I'm not Paul. Lucas just, he trying it. You know what I'm saying? Because he know this man was not a chief priest, but that's maybe what he called himself. So Luke went ahead and was like, yeah, the chief priest, mm -hmm. his seven sons. They might not have been his actual sons. They could have been, but they were more probably disciples. So here they go. They decided to attempt to use the name of Jesus. They are not using the name of Jesus because they believe in Jesus. It's because they've heard about the power. It's not that they believe in Jesus. It's because they've heard of the results. I know what happens. I've heard about it's gotten to my town. What happens? This man, Paul, has been using this name. And because he's been using this name, he's been able to cast out demons. And even those who were not Paul, I've heard, were able to take his handkerchiefs and his apron and they could go somewhere and they could say a couple of words and people would be healed. And so 
they could clearly see that this name, the name of Jesus, had greater results, had more power than whatever they were using. So they were like, you know what? We want to use that too. So they go and try to seven of them go to this house where this demon-possessed man is. And so the demon calls them out. The demon is like, so what y'all doing here? Y'all, y'all, who, who sent y'all over here? Now, who sent y'all over here? That's the demon. Who sent y'all over here? Now, I, I know Jesus. I know him. And I know about I know about Paul because that's his homeboy. But, but I, don't, I ain't never heard about y'all. Where y'all from? What, what, what rep y'all set? What set y'all from? Hey, he never heard of them. The demon is saying, I know Jesus and I know about Paul. But y'all, y'all know that song, um, You're a Wankster, 50 Cent. I'm not suggesting that you listen to it. I'm just saying, I just want you to get an understanding that the demon is saying, you ain't a gangster, sir. You're not about this. The seven of y'all, y'all not about this life. Y'all are not gang gang. Jesus gang gang. And I know who he run with. Paul run with Jesus. But I never heard about y'all. Y'all are wankster. And since y'all want to come over here front and y'all want to act like y'all want to be about that life, well, y'all about to live that life. And so then he basically beat them up. All seven. Attacked all seven, leaving them naked and wounded. Demon possession is real. One of the... Um, one of the... Uh, symptoms of demon possession is like superhuman strength or uh the not feeling of pain so sometimes when people are demon possessed they have superhuman strength which he clearly had because he whooped up all seven of them so bad that they was bleeding and they would ran out the house bucky naked come on then the word of this spread all over. People heard about this. Thought, Listen, people are hearing about what is happening. The word spread. And guess what? So did the fear of the Lord and the reverence for the name Jesus. Like we not. Y'all heard, heard, um, heard about skeeving them boys. Went over there to that man house. Um, trying to like, get, you know, do an exorcism or whatever. Child, that man turned around and he just whooped all seven of them. He was like, uh-uh, y'all fake, baby. I will not, you better not be playing with the name of Jesus. Honey. I'm not going to be playing with that name. Word spread and so did fear and reverence for Jesus. And so how many of you realize that sometimes tradition sticks, you know, with Ephesus being the, the magical um, magical arts center being a place where they just, that was something that was all throughout the city. It was very common. It was very known. It was part of the culture. It was part of traditions. It was part of families. This is what they did, right? This is it's crazy, but that's what they did. That even some of the believers, people who had come to believe in Jesus, they were still dibbing and dabbling in magic. And so they became convicted. Upon hearing this, this word got out and it began to convict the believers who were still straddling the fence. Um, there were believers who were still using magic. There were believers who were still using sorcery, right? Maybe not in the way that you think. Um, think of it as like, oh, there were believers who were still burning sage. Take it how you want to, right? There were believers who were still burning sage. There were believers who were still... Um, you know, superstitious. There were believers who were still doing things that weren't in alignment with the word of God or the way that the, the word of God says things go, the way of God. And so they confessed that. They were also like giving up secret spells. And so the end of my understanding is that if you tell the secret of a spell, it removes the power of the spell. 
And so they were telling the secrets of spells to remove the power they were bringing in, all their little scrolls with little incantations written on them and spells written on them, all their little, you know, wart leg and boot leg and whatever other kind of leg they had, frog leg, rabbit foot, all that stuff. They're bringing all those things in. You know, it's like I'm a believer, but I depend on luck. I'm a believer, but I'm telling the universe I believe her, but I'm talking about the secret. Mm -hmm. um, so they brought all those things and they were like, oh, they were felt so convicted and they burned them all. And the stuff that they burned, it was worth a lot of money. Um, 50,000 drachmas, just so you have an idea. A drachma is how much a person, an average person would make. It's like average pay. It's not low pay. It's not high pay, but it's what you could make in a day, right? It's what you could make in a day. So 50,000 days worth of work is what the value of all those things they brought were. Um, and so the word of the Lord, even more now that they burnt these things, the word of the Lord grew in power and spread widely. And so after that, Paul decides it's time to leave Ephesus. Like my work here is done. The Lord sent me here to do something. I have done that. I've been here for two years. You know, now y'all know, now y'all done gave up y'all stuff. Now Paul has decided to leave. But before he could leave, there's a riot. There's a silversmith, Demetrius, who realizes that Paul's teaching is having a negative impact. Now, these people didn't burn all their sorcery stuff. What you think they're going to be burning next? These shrines. And Demetrius made his money that way. And they kind of have like a union. So the way it would be set up in a town is all the people who did the same type of work they would be together. So you would have all the blacksmiths would set up shop together and all the silversmiths would sh set up shop in the same area. So they kind of had these uh, unions for lack of a better word. And where the silversmiths were set up, it was um, it was kind of near the theater. Now we're talking about an open air theater that was large enough to seat 20,000 people. I know, I'm, maybe not, maybe you don't. But when I think about biblical times, in my mind, I just think about small stuff, like small little tents and small little markets and small little whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's what I think about. That's not how this works. So we're talking about an open air theater that seats 20,000 people, right? And they're kind of set up outside of that or near that, like on the way, if you're walking down an aisle or down the road or something, you might pass the silversmiths and just a little way past that would be the open air theater. Now at the open air theater, the theater they're talking about, it would be a place where they would have legal assemblies. If there was going to be a trial of some sort, if there was going to be, um, they maybe they had announcements or something. I don't know. They got some new rules, some new laws, some whatever, some situations. They would call them and it would be a legal assembly. Uh, people in um, that held positions, council positions and things like that would come in. If somebody was coming from out of town and get some things straightened, they would have like a legal assembly, right? So just so you know. So Demetrius is thinking about, Demetrius the silversmith and all his, you know, wisdom is thinking about, dang, they burned all that stuff. You know what's going to happen? People are going to stop buying the stuff that we're selling. Then we're going to go out of business. And not only that, it's not just about me. It's not just about money, okay? I don't want you to think it's all about money. It's not just about money. It's also about the fact that this great goddess that we worship, that we serve or whatever, that this is going to be disrespectful to her. How dare he come to our town, the town that has the temple? We are the guardians of the temple. How dare he come here and come against her? Then he gets these people in an uproar. Then all the other people that hear, they're in an uproar. 
they grab two of his companions, they go into this um, theater. There are people who are passing by, and when they start to see people going into the theater, they assume this is some type of legal assembly because that's what happens. It's some type of legal assembly. They go into the theater, so now they're going into the theater too, right? And so they're out there, they're shouting, he's telling them, you know that he came to our town and they disrespecting the God that we love and she been here and she came down from heaven and but, 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 and whoop, de, whoop, de, whoop. Now all the other crowds, this is not really true, right? But this is what he's telling them. Now all these other people are uproar. We see Luke's humor again because he likes some of them yelling one thing, some of them yelling another. Most of them don't even know what they in there for. Most of them don't even know what they are in there for. Now, the Jews, in an attempt to separate themselves, they always want to separate themselves, in an attempt to separate themselves from Paul and the way, they are pushing their leader, Alexander, to explain, hey, 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 for the record, this is not a Jewish problem. Even though Paul is Jewish, this ain't a Jewish problem. This is really like, it's really Paul. It's those people. It's not us. But once they realize he's Jewish, because there's no distinction for the outsiders, they all just Jew. They're all just Jewish as far as the outsiders are concerned. As far as the Gentiles are concerned, they're all just Jewish and they just squabbling over their own stuff. So when Alexander gets ready to talk, they shut him down. And then they yell for two more hours. Now, two hours of yelling is almost going to be a riot. Now, this is a city that is under the province of Rome. It's under the ruling of Rome. And Rome is anti-riot. And so if, so if you're in charge in one of these cities, your main job in these cities, these provinces of Rome, outside of Rome, as the people in charge, the people in leadership, your main job is to keep the peace. And if you can't keep the peace, one, you're probably going to be killed. And two, y'all going to be under martial law. Y'all not going to have the freedom to be out here chilling because y'all don't know how to act. Okay? So word clearly is spreading about this two-hour-long chanting and yelling in this mob that's out there. And it gets to what they refer to as a city clerk. But the city clerk is more than just a city clerk. He is a man when he speaks, people listen. Because while Alexander tried to shut them down and they couldn't, and he could not... This city clerk is like, hey, and they fall in line and they shut their mouth. He says three things that are kind of funny, right, to me. He says three things that are that are kind of funny that everybody already know. Everybody in like, I don't know what y'all out here arguing about because everybody in the world already knows that the goddess Artemis fell from heaven. And so therefore could not have been made by human hands. So what Paul is saying ain't really that big a deal because everybody already knows that the goddess Artemis was not made by human hands. So check that. The second thing he says is, so y'all out here making all this noise, but he has not robbed the temple and he has not said anything against the goddess Artemis. So y'all mad about what? He's really turning the tables on Demetrius, for the record, right? So y'all mad about what? And three, if there is a real issue that Demetrius has, uh, just for your information, you can do a, you can take them to court, and courts out. The court is open. This is not a holiday. The court is wide open. So if you actually had a real problem, you can go over there, and then the bonus. 
because this is not a legal assembly. He's telling them, y'all are in here making this noise, and this, friends, is not a legal assembly. So y'all in here for what? Y'all in here, what, what this is, because this isn't a legal assembly, he's separating himself from the nonsense. That means that I will have to report to Rome that y'all out here rioting. Because that's the only reason y'all would be out here making all that noise in this space, misusing space you don't have permission to use, because it's a riot, because it's not no legal assembly. You with me? And he's like, so y'all better go on now. And so they disperse. Nine lessons from that. The first lesson I see is lack of understanding can limit the power of God in your life. A lack of understanding can limit the power of God in your life. Sometimes you think that because you don't know something or you know something. That's the better way to put it. Sometimes you think because you know in part, because you started, that that's good enough. But we can see here that a lack of understanding, limited understanding, can actually limit the power of God in your life. They had a limited understanding. The disciples at the top of chapter 19 had a limited understanding. It means that they knew some. How many of y'all know some? They knew some. They know I'm familiar with that Bible story. Yeah, I've read the Bible before. I'm familiar. I know something. I know a little bit. I've studied a little bit. I've gotten into that place. Well, I've studied my Bible before. I mean, I've done that. I've done that in my life. I know something. Do you understand that knowing something can limit the power of God in your life? They did not understand the fullness of it. And I'm going to tell you this, only a fool believes they understand the fullness of the word of God if they're still breathing and not taking the time to study the word of God. I'm going to just say that again. That's not on my lesson list, but I'm going to say it again. Only a fool believes that they have a full understanding of the Bible if they are still breathing and not studying the word of God. You think because you studied it, you know it all? You think because you studied it, you know its fullness? Fool. Foolish. We can see right here that a lack of understanding can limit the power of God in your life. A limited understanding can limit the power of God in your life. Sometimes you are looking at something in your life trying to figure out why it's not working like you thought it would, why it's not working like you hoped it would. It might be. It might be because you have a limited understanding, which makes sense that the word of God said, whatever you do, okay, get understanding, though it costs you all you have. Your understanding ain't cost you nothing. You got a limited understanding. Oh, come on, Jesus. Your understanding didn't cost you anything. You have a limited understanding because the word of God tells us to get understanding, though it costs all you have. It's going to cost all you got to get some understanding. The second lesson is that routines lead to consistency. Routines lead to consistency. One of the things, there are lots of things that can be said about Paul, but my dude is consistent. Okay? Routines lead to consistency. And the reason that routines lead to consistency is because so do habits. All right? 
Habits lead to consistency. Routines lead to habits. And if I have a habit, I'm doing that thing consistently. It's what I do first. It's what I do without thinking. I'm doing it all the time, right? This is the thing that leads to consistency. And Paul, my dude, had a routine. I'm going to go to a new city. I'm going to go teach in a synagogue. I'm going to go to a new city. I'm going to go teach at the synagogue. I'm going to go to a place. I'm going to teach at the synagogue. If the synagogue don't work, I'm going to go to the next place. If that don't work, I'm going to go to the next place. If that don't work, I'm going to go to the next place. He had a routine. This is what he's doing. And routines lead to consistency. So you're trying to be consistent in something. Maybe it's not your lack. Maybe, maybe you don't lack commitment, but you lack a routine and you need to develop a routine. Right, because when you develop a routine, routines build habits, and habits are con- habits are the things that make us consistent. Do you have a routine for showing up live? Do you have a routine for studying your Bible? Do you have a routine for working out? Do you have a routine for how you're going to spend your days? You don't have a routine. That's why you're not consistent. It's why you can't get nothing done. It's why you have these spurges and splurges of energy where you can get something done for a day, but then when you look back at the end of the month, you haven't completed what you need to complete because you don't have a routine. You don't have a routine of writing things in your planner. It's why you're not getting stuff done. You don't have a routine. That's why your business ain't where it's supposed to be. You don't have a routine. That's why your ministry ain't where it's supposed to be. It's a lack of routine. It's not because you're not anointed. It's not because it ain't your time. It's because you lack consistency. And the reason you are inconsistent is because you don't have any routine. You're just doing whatever. Paul did not say, well, I'm just going to get up. When I get to the city, I'm going to check it out. And then I'm going to decide what I'm going to do. We saw Paul went to the synagogue every time he got to a new city. The third lesson I want you to understand is you need to focus on your followers and not your foes. Okay, I'm going to say that again. You need to focus on your followers and not your foes, all right? You don't need to be focusing on the people that are not for you. You don't need to be focused on haters. You don't need to be focused on opposition. Paul was focused on his followers. He was focused on the ones who were receptive. Paul was focused on the ones who were ready to receive. Paul was focused on the ones who had an ear to hear. He wasn't trying to convince, like, okay, I'm going to come here, I'm going to teach you. And when I see that you are resistant, not that you're slow to learn, but you refuse to learn, I'm going to move on. And because he focused on his followers, he didn't give up because people opposed him. He didn't turn away from the work God called him to because people rejected him. Because people rejected the message. Some of you, you have a message and because it's not a popular message, because there's a lot of pushback, you don't want to go out there and say, but you have people who need to hear the message. There are people whose lives are going to be traced, are going to be transformed because of the message that you have. There is somebody that God has called you to deliver them from the hell that they're in. And it starts with the message and you're not doing it because there are so many people in opposition. When I first started, I used to say church ain't enough. I'll say it as often as I used to, but I was start saying it again sunday service ain't enough saturday service ain't enough church is not enough believer purpose driven follower of god on assignment from god anointed to be a world changer and do work for the kingdom sunday ain't enough church ain't enough people don't like that don't care i'm not worried about people who don't like it i'm worried about the people who have been called who have been assigned to me 
There are people who have been assigned to the message that you have because the Lord is intentional. So I cannot be focused on people who feel like the church is the be all and end all. And it ain't. And I love church. Hi, my name is Pastor Courage Molina, church planter, bold faith community church. But I'm I'm gonna keep it a book. I ain't gonna, but they say, I ain't gonna hold y'all. Church ain't enough. I know church ain't enough. You know church ain't enough. And so do the devil. That's why he got you out here thinking all you got to do is come to church. And that's it. Man, if you don't open your Bible every day, I ain't telling you to teach every day, but I am telling you to open your Bible every day to let that be your expectations, to let that be your standard. Church ain't enough. Believe, and I love church. It's enough. Stop it. If it was enough, we wouldn't be getting our behinds kicked out here. Hello. Come on. If it wasn't enough, we wouldn't be as depressed as we are out here in these streets. Believers are as depressed. There is no distinction. Every problem, let me just say this, every problem that the world has, all the problems that the world is struggling with, so are we believers. Whatever the statistics are for depression, anxiety, divorce, guess what? There is no distinction between us and the non-believer. Did you know that? And it should be because we have the power of God. Listen, somebody out there has been called to follow your message. Focus on them and not the people who are going to oppose you. Next one, number four, wisdom knows when it's time to end the conversation. I, I don't have wisdom, but I just, I can still teach a lesson. <laughs> uh, can, I, can I be honest? Is it okay if I'm honest today? Wisdom knows when it's time to end the conversation. Wisdom knows this. I can see I ain't going to make my time. I want my alarm to not come on and give me a heart attack. All right, it's not going to come on. Listen, wisdom knows when it's time to end the conversation. Paul was there for three months teaching them all of that. And then after a while, he was like, okay, I'm done. Wisdom knows when to walk away. Okay, I'm done. And for the record, I ain't necessarily talking about your marriage. I know y'all... Y'all be like, y'all be looking for out. You know, I know we be, I know we be looking for out. I ain't talking about your marriage. Talk to the Lord about your marriage. But I'm staying in just in the message that you have. I'm talking about because I want y'all be like, see, wisdom say it's time for me to walk away from this marriage. Uh, no, that's not what I'm preaching today. Talk to the Lord about that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's not what this is. Wisdom knows when it's time to end the conversation. Um, maybe in your marriage but not about your marriage, right? Wisdom knows when it's time for you to stop talking to people and um, trying to teach them your message or whatever your method is, or like there's a time to walk away. There are people I don't talk to about the Bible, believe it or not. I mean, I'm referencing because that's all I know. So I do reference it, but there are people I'm not trying to talk to you about the Bible for what? Because you want to debate me. I'm not about to debate you. I spent most of my life on this. So I dedicated my time to this, to studying and learning. I'm not about to go back and forth with somebody that ain't never read it. For what? <laughs> I can educate you or I can walk away. Because unless you're on my level, we talking about what? You need to have that same attitude about whatever your message is. You're not new to this. You're true to this. You know about budgets. You're not new to this. You're true to this. You know about purpose. You're not new to this. You're true to this. You know about health and wellness. You're not new to this. You, you know about negotiation. I'm not about to go back and forth with somebody that ain't never negotiated a salary in their life. And this is what I do? For what? No. 
knows when it's time to end the conversation. Number five, this is probably my favorite one. Success is inevitable when you consistently do what God tells you to do until it's done. Success is inevitable when you consistently do what God tells you to do until it's done. I just, I want to say it again because I want to make sure y'all get that. Success is inevitable when you consistently do what God tells you to do until it's done. That's when you're successful. Like there's no way you're not going to be successful. There's no way you're not going to be effective. There's no way you're not going to have impact. There's no way you're not going to have influence. There's just no way. If I do what God told me to do consistently, success is my portion. Winning is my portion. Like Because he's called me to be fruitful and multiply. And I think about fruitfulness as the success of the seed. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think of fruitfulness as success of the thing that was created. So my life is fruitful when it does what God intended for it to do. And so my message is fruitful when it does what God sent it to do. So if I do that, if I'm doing what the Lord told me to do consistently, then success is inevitable. Next one, God does extraordinary things through those he can trust. Can he trust you? I mean, he can trust you, but what can he trust you to do? (laughs) He can trust you, but what can he trust you to do? God does extraordinary things through those he can trust. What can he trust you to do? Can he trust you? Can he trust that you will meet opposition and then you're going to go back home? Can he trust that you're going to show up even in the face of opposition? Can he trust that you're going to find a solution instead of feeling overwhelmed by the problems? Can he trust that you're going to get support when you need support so that you can do the work that is on your life? Does he trust that you can show up consistently? Or does he trust that as soon as somebody says something to you, you're going to hit the ground, you're going to go back crying? He knew that the Israelites would run back to Egypt if he took them through the Philistines. He's like, they won't fight even though they could win. I can trust them to run back to Egypt. So let me take them this way. Can the Lord trust you? What can he trust you to do? God does extraordinary things to, to through those he can trust. There's a difference. This is number seven. There's a difference between fans of Jesus and followers of Christ. I know I've said that before, but this chapter shows us that again. That's the beautiful part about studying the Bible for the record. It's not that every time you study it, you're going to get 700,000 different lessons, but it's going to be lessons that you need to see repeatedly. And then you can see it's not a one-off, but it is actually what the Lord is saying, right? That there are fans. There's a difference between Fans of Jesus and followers of Christ. There's a difference between fans of Jesus. People who are fans of Jesus, it's exactly as it sounds. They know his work. They got a jersey and they like what he does. They're a fan. They like what he do. They they like him. He got he do good work. He's good looking. You know what I'm saying? It's a good look. You know what I'm saying? It's a good look. Especially depending on where you live, 
You know what I'm saying? Maybe you live in the South. Maybe you're in a community where that is just the expectation. People are uh, really, people are really um, huge public proponents of faith these days. People are like, oh, we faith. And they say God, but you don't know what the heck God they talk about. But there's a difference between fans of Jesus because fans of Jesus like his work. They like his work. They're okay if you choose something else, right? But they like, you know, they fans of Jesus. They like his work. Followers of Christ know that Jesus is the Messiah. They know that he's the only way to heaven. They know that there is no other name by which men can be saved. They know that there is only one God. And if you don't know Jesus, then you don't know God. That's a follower of Christ. Follower of Christ means that Jesus is not just my savior. He's not just the one who died for me, but he is also Lord of my life. So I am doing things his way. I'm doing things the way that his spirit is prompting me to, right? My focus is on Jesus. I am seeking first the kingdom of God before I'm seeking kingship for myself in this heavenly place. Do you understand what I'm saying? The follower of Christ understands that Jesus is the one true lamb. He is the good shepherd. They know who he is and they are fashioning their lives, their minds, their hearts, their attitudes, come on attitudes, after him. That it, there is a difference, okay? Now, weapons will form, but they do not prosper. That's number eight. Weapons form, but they do not prosper. Now, listen, listen. It's going to be trouble. Somebody is plotting. There is a plan, but it will not be fruitful. It will be unsuccessful. Weapons will form, but they do not prosper. Demetrius had a plan he crafted it just so he had a weapon he wielded it just so got the people ready snagged uh these two companions of paul did not prosper weapons will form don't don't be don't be alarmed when you are caught in somebody's crosshairs don't be alarmed when somebody has decided to make a campaign against your name and everything you stand for. Don't be alarmed. Don't be shook. No, it ain't going to work. Whatever it was meant to do, it ain't going to do. It was meant to kill me. It might harm me. Y'all can be, listen, the best way to get beat up, I'm going to tell y'all right now, okay? Y'all, let me tell y'all this. This is like a little extra, a little extra for y'all, okay? The best way to get beat up is to be scared to get hit. Now, y'all may have never been in a fight, but I'm going to tell you this. If you don't want to get hit, you're going to get beat up, okay? That's what's going to happen because you are not able to really focus on the fight that you are doing. You're not really ready. You can't really focus on the victory because you're too busy trying not to lose instead of focusing on winning. You don't want to get hit. You're going to get beat up. Weapons will form, but they will not prosper. It means you might take a scar. You might get stabbed. You might get cut, but you ain't going to die. You cannot be out here in this world saying you're following Christ. I'm answering the call of my life and think you're not going to take no hits. No, boy, you're going to take some hits. They just ain't going to kill you, though. What are they meant to kill you? They're meant to destroy you, right? They may cause you some harm. They may cause you some injury, but you will heal from those things because it was sent to kill you. The devil is not trying to wound you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It don't say nothing about scratch, dent, 
cut. Okay? He, it don't say he's coming to bruise you. He does not, his weapons are not formed to bruise you. They are formed to break you completely where there's nothing left. Okay? It doesn't say he's he come to, to kick you. No, he comes to kill, to end life, to steal what God has for you, and to destroy. Tennyson, it's, he ain't coming to scratch you. To give you stitches, his goal is to end you. Okay, so you may take a couple hits. The weapon will form, but it will not prosper. And this last one is true friendship gets involved in your business. Okay, anybody got friends in a business? True friendship gets involved in your business. True friends, true friendship. I know nosy folk can try to get involved in your business. True friendship, though, they get involved in your business. They don't mind. I'm not minding my business if we're friends. Let me know we're not friends. Then I can mind my business. I will mind my business, girl. We just, oh, it's cool. Because I don't need to be in folks' business. But if you are my friend, I'm in your business. Paul's friends were in his business. Now, the two men got snatched up. They did not get hurt. But the two men got snatched up by this mob that Demetrius had. And so when Paul, because he's a real one, heard that his homeboys was in trouble, he was like, I'm about to go down there. I'm about to go over there. I'm about to go in there. I'm about to do this thing. Right? That's he about to go over there. They, uh -uh, it's me they want. I'm the chief. Let me go. And his disciples were like, uh-uh. His friends heard about it. He had friends in high places. That's why they moved. They wasn't Jewish, but they probably were part of the way. But they were they held um they held high office for Rome. And so they was like, boy, don't you go in there. They got in his business and kept him from going. True friendship gets involved in your business. True friendship calls you out on the carpet. True friendship protects you. True friendship, when I say calls you on the carpet, when you are doing something foolish that is going to damage you in the long run, true friends are not going to stand for that. True friends are the ones who can see you, right? Good, bad, and ugly and have permission. Their relationship gives them the authority in your, to speak on your life. Yes, they're going to say something to you about your parenting. Okay, you don't like it, but what you need to do what you might want to consider do, you know what, friend? I think you might have been a little too harsh on my boy. That's my dude. I think, I think I stay in Erica business. I stay in Tiana. Like, I'm in her business. I be in Olivia's business. I'm in your business. I'm gonna say something. You mad? Okay, you gonna die because you mad. So true friendship gets involved because you realize that a person may not be able to see where they are. I'm so grateful for the friends that got involved in my life. Kept me from doing, child, I ain't gonna tell y'all on this live now, but kept me from, you wanna hear the, You wanna hear all the goods you need to buy my book, which I don't talk about often. <laughs> I ain't gonna tell y'all the dirt my friends kept me from, okay? You wanna hear about it? I wrote a book about it. You can get it on Amazon, go to Amazon, Courage Malignant, then you can get all my, all my business. But I am so grateful, right, that I have friends that get in my business. 
I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have friends who got involved. We know that this walk with Christ is one that is independent, right? It's an individual. It's an individual relationship. Whether you're with me or you're not with me, this is what I'm going to be doing, right? We know that. Here's the situation, though. Um, it's not meant to be done in isolation. It's, that's not how God meant for it to be. He's not asking us to do this in isolation. He has not created us for isolation. The word of God says, woe to him who walks alone, because when you fall, only a fool thinks he's never going to fall. Only a fool thinks that his vision is always clear. There's a way that seems right to a man. Listen, my sister wife on here, Shalina, I stay in her business. I'd be like, first of all, <laughs> stay in her business, okay? True friendship gets involved. I can mind my business if we're not friends. But as friends, I have a responsibility to you to hold you, to hold you accountable to your greatness. It's not because I think less of you. It's because I think highly of you because I know that greatness is in you because I can see you because I'm not attached to people that, you know, greatness ain't in them or they're not seeking greatness. I'm attached to people. Greatness is in them and they want to be great. I'm probably also not your friend if you don't want to be great. And that's real. You don't want to be a great mom. I'm probably not friends with you. And that's not a judgment. That's a standard that I have for my own life. For my own life, what type of people I want to be around, right? Who wants to be around people who don't want to be great? I mean, I don't even, I don't even get that. So, yes, I'm going to get in your business. Yes, people are going to get in your business. We were not meant to do this life alone. Even the body of Christ itself, the way that God created the body of Christ is one that requires for us to work together. Because one is a finger and one is a toe and one is a head and one is a neck and one is an ear. The ear can't do the seeing. Do you understand what I'm saying? The ear can't do. There is something that you were created on this earth to do. You can, you're not meant to do it in isolation. And so listen, listen. Now, it is about an individual relationship with Christ, but it's not about being in isolation. That's why we're both faith community church. And so maybe... Maybe you've been in great community, but you actually do not have an individual relationship with Christ. If you have been doing this thing and you've been a fan of Jesus, but you're ready to be a follower of Christ. If maybe you've gone through some things and you've kind of fallen off. Sometimes life just gets the best of us. And we just and this is and this is an opportunity for you to say, you know what? I've been over here isolated by myself i've been over here with limited understanding and i can see how the enemy has come in and wrecked my business i can see how the enemy has come in and tried to wreck my marriage i can see how the enemy has come in and is trying to wreck my money or wreck my mind i want the full power of god working in and through my life if that's you then i encourage you i invite you to say this prayer with me Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. I now accept him as my Lord and Savior. I accept the gift of salvation right now. Thank you, Father God, for saving me, for forgiving me, and giving me eternal life with you. Amen.
Listen, if you said it and you believe it, the word of God says that settles it. So let me be one of the first to welcome you to the family of God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, listen. So glad to have you. What's good, fam? Now, listen, if this is something you've done for the first time, we want to get some resources in your hands. Send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.com. Org. We want to gather around you, connect with you. Uh, this, like I said, it's an individual relationship, but we don't want you to do this alone. It's Bold Faith Community Church for a reason. We want you to come and be in close community with us. Um, maybe you are returning to the falls and um, you've been away, but now you're ready to get back in it and you just don't know where to start. Again, send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org and somebody from the care team will connect with you. Maybe you decided that, you know what? This is all right. This girl passed the courage. She okay with me. And I've been looking for a church and I just cannot find one. And this is about to be my church home. If that's you, if Bold Faith Community Church is going to be your church home, send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org. You can just put in the subject, I'm home, and we will send you all the things you need to get plugged in to get connected. Now, listen, I pray that this has blessed you. And if it has blessed you, I want you to go ahead and like this video. Be sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel if you haven't. And if you didn't get a chance to share, you were waiting to see how good it was, go ahead and share somebody that might be able to benefit from the lessons that we talked about. Now, listen, if you love what we are doing here at Bold Faith Community Church and you want to be a part of what God is doing in and through this church, you can go to boldfaithchurch.org and give your tithes and offering. We could not do this without the generous uh, people that call Bold Faith Community Church home and those who have partnered with us. So maybe this isn't your home, but you want to partner with us with what God is doing. You can set up recurring giving or give one time as little as a dollar, whatever the Lord puts on your heart at boldfaithchurch.org. Now, listen, we are not done yet. It is time for us to get into our Bold Life group. And um, you can get in our Bold Life group by going to Facebook. And let me see if I can drop this in the, uh, let me see. I normally don't do this, but I really do feel led today. So I sure hope, you know, some people get on God list. I'm going to go ahead and put in, um, I'm going to put in the comments in the chat here a link, okay? So you can join the Zoom this morning. Now, if you want to get it every week, then you need to become, um, you need to get on the list. But um, there it is for you. It's also in the Facebook group. You can see it there. All right. I love y'all. And I'll see y'all in the bowl life group because I will be there. Again, thank you so much for joining us. You could be anywhere on Saturday morning. And we don't take it lightly that you've decided to be here and spend this time with us. I love y'all. And I'll see y'all in the group. If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.